Hello and welcome to episode 3, September 2020 of the Bikes and Bulldust podcast. I'm Todd Reed, and as always alongside me in the co-host chair, Jed Guthrie. Welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, how are you? Oh, I'm ready to go. Back from God's country. That was a pretty fun episode with uh, Josh Green there last month, mate. I had a good time. It was. We went to Upper Stroud Heights, found the God, God's Country sign, and there we were. Great hospitality from Greeny. I enjoyed that afternoon. It was a good old chat and had heaps of good feedback about that too, which was nice. So, uh, Jed, what's been happening this month? You've been a bit hard to follow. There's been plenty going on. Yeah, yeah, we've had a bit going on. So, um, done a couple of trips to the island. You come up there once with us. A bit sure muddy. Did. But we had a bit of fun, so we've had a bit of rain going on around here, so there hasn't been a whole lot of motorbike riding. Done another trip to the Dome, um, that was good, went down there at the start of the month. Um, went up and checked out Greeny's Dung, Dungog Flow Tracks up there, so if you oh, follow yeah. Greeny, you'll see these mountain bike trails that they've been building up there. Yeah, we were talking about that in the last show, was it good? Yeah, yeah, unreal, unreal spot. Um, the plans that they've got for the place is going to be epic. Um, what, what he's already done, what the team has already done, I guess you would say, um, is, is unreal. Um, took my partner Gabby up there, and she loved it. She just wanted to keep going. You so know? the tracks, like you know, suit everyone. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. She rode the main main track. I oh, and the easy one as well. But even she liked the the main, well, blue black run, whatever you want to call it at the moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just wanted to keep going, but the legs couldn't hold up, and yeah, so been doing that. Um, been mountain biking. Found some new trails out on Mount Sugarloaf, and. I've stripped one of the 87 250s. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's pulled apart in the shed. And so where are you at with that? Is it just stripped down in pieces? or? Yeah, it's just stripped down in pieces and I'll start you know, getting parts and getting the frame painted and all that stuff and start getting it back together. Yeah, that's exciting, mate. Plenty happening there. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, former Yamaha off-road factory rider here in Australia, JDR Motorsports team member, accomplished... Uh, off-road motocross supercross rider he's currently sitting six in the 450 class of the aorc we've got bo ralston in welcome to the bikes and bulldust show mate thanks for having me on boys it's it's a pleasure to be out here with you no worries at all mate big day on the tools you're fresh from work yeah big day on the tools bought a driveway today bought a driveway so you're yeah. concreting yeah concreting with your uncle today actually uncle mark yeah uncle mark nice mate what else has been happening been out on the bike much not much recently been too busy working Pushies, motos, anything? Not really, no. <laughs> Not much has been happening in the bike world, just concreting and, and being dad. And living and being a dad. Yeah, no, pretty much. That's, that's nice, mate. I've pretty much been doing the same thing, to be completely honest. But um, look, looking ahead at the show, uh, we're going to talk some AMA motocross. The first few rounds have been held at Loretta Lynn's there in Tennessee, which was pretty entertaining in all that mud. So we'll have a chat about that. We like to follow the Aussies in the MXGP, so we had three rounds in Latvia, which were pretty tough for our guys, so we'll have a chat about that. It was a bit unfortunate for them. There hasn't been much happening here in Australia in the way of motocross, which is a little bit unfortunate, so there isn't really much to cover there. Um, But Motorcycling Australia, to their credit, have been doing their best to keep everyone informed and up to date with their goals of, you know, running some kind of series. There's been a bit of commentary from some of the riders and team managers saying what they'd like to see. But I think I do think now that it's been handed back to Motorcycling Australia that they do have the sport's best interest there and hopefully we do see something towards the end of the year and get that going. Um, best wishes to Dean Ferris while we're talking about Aussie Motocross who suffered a pretty nasty back and neck injury. Um, due to popular demand, Jed, we've got some uh, local league talk with a bit of news from our local tracks. 
That's it, yeah. We kind of forgot to talk about it last month, um, and it's something that we want to touch on, promote our local clubs and everything around here, and so we'll go into a bit of bit of detail, a bit of a summary on each of our local clubs up here and ride parks. So, yeah. Yeah. Just touch on them quickly, and we'll catch up on it, and we'll make, yeah, get onto it every month. Plus, we're going to have our regular, you know, social media post of the month. We'll come up with a product review and whatever else goes on during the show. Let's say thanks to um, our listeners. We've had lots of feedback from you over the last month. Um, um, yeah, good positive feedback, actually. It's been really good. Um, just want to say thank you to everyone for that. Um, thanks for the support. Um, we've also heard, you know, Woodsy's been doing well. A lot of people have been going in there and um, saying that they've heard about his business on the on yeah. the, on the on the podcast and everything. You've even been in there and got your suspension done. Yeah, we and had people wanting to buy a race line that hit us up. Where do we yeah. get it? How do we get it? Obviously, you go to Chris Wood. So, yes, huge thanks to everyone for all your messages and support. It's been really nice. Um, a little bit of stuff, I guess, just to touch on before we go too much further, just about the show. I know we're only new, so if you haven't worked out much about Jed or I, go back and listen to the trailer. We talk for a couple of minutes about how on earth we fit into this whole show. Um, and also, you know, what the show's about and what we're going to cover. We're going to do the full show, which is going to release at the start of every month. So you should see that, you know, in the first few days of each month come out. And then the highlights will come out mid-month and they'll be highlights of that main show. So um, in just case just broken up into shorter sections for people to listen to. Yeah, we've had a few people talk about it. And I must say, I'm one of them too. There's some sh- podcasts that I listen to that... I don't necessarily love to listen to two hours of the same show. I just like snippets of it um, because I don't have the time or for whatever reason. So that's the whole point of the highlights, guys. And uh, tell your friends about the highlights too. If they're new to podcasting, maybe like a one to two hour show might be a bit off-putting. So, you know, 10 and 20 minute grabs of a podcast might get them in the door and get them listening to the show. So, yeah, word of mouth, spread that one and hopefully you guys will get that one sorted. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Search Todd and Jed. Loretta Lynn's one and two in the AMA motocross. We had round one, which was super tough conditions, like rained leading up to the event, and then it started to dry out. And the track looked super gnarly with the mud and ruts. I mean, it did turn out pretty good, all things considered, but it was pretty nasty. Then we had round two, which was just a complete mud bog with bikes blowing up left and right and DNFs happening everywhere. I mean, look pretty tough, eh, boys, Jed? Yeah, what do you even say about that round two? I I don't want to be anywhere near that. Like, uh, (laughs) Would you pull your bike out of the trailer? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't wouldn't. show up. (laughs) No, that's it. Uh, Yeah, round one, you know, that was crazy as it was with, um, you know, they put extra sand on the track and and that to um, extend the lap times and everything. To go to round two, that was just a mud fest. That was it was crazy. Unreal racing. Um, exciting times. Tomac, feet off the pegs everywhere, just swapping from rut to rut. Like, look, look at how much he was struggling. Imagine what we would have been doing. Um, I reckon Ken Roxon is sitting at home on his lounge just like, you know what? I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Like, I don't want no part of this motocross championship. For sure. Yeah. Uh, 450s, after two rounds, we've got Zach Osborne on top of the standings. Marvin Muskan's in second and Barsh is in third. Uh, Muskan's 19 points back. So, even after two rounds, Osborne's got himself a nice little buffer. And uh, got to say, boys, back in the last episode, I did say I was pretty keen on Osborne's chances. So, I'm going to claim that. Plus, he's on a Husky. So, 
Boys in white, mate. Yeah, I can't say anything <laughs> about that, but we've got Yamaha on top in the 250s. No, that's true. You Where's do. the Kawasaki's? Oh, no, they'll be on top soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, Only you, a matter of time. You were the Supercross champs. <laughs> um, yeah, Osborne with those two wins. That His first overall win there at round one followed it up with another overall at round two. So that's three in a row. Obviously, he's got that big win at Salt Lake City there when the Supercross finished. So he's really on a bit of a roll. Your Cowie boys, Bo. Tomac seventh in points, 40 points back already due to that double DNF at the last round. Cincerulo... Bit of speed at that last one with a 3-5. I think good things to come from him for the rest of the series. What do you reckon about AC? I think he's only going to improve. He he's made some rookie mistakes, I guess you'd call them. And I think he's just going to get better and more consistent. He's pretty exciting to watch, hey? Like, he is. He's so he's technically really good. What he, about that crash in the first round? Superman. Yeah, off yeah. the back. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I meant by rookie mistakes. <laughs> yeah. really, um, getting a bit excited. Oh. I think he's going to be really good. You're right. I think he will too. Yeah, I think he's really going to improve yeah. as the series goes on. Any takes from the 450 class from you, Jed, other than those ones with Osborne and the Cowie boys? No, as we know, Roxon's out. Webb's got a back injury. Anderson pulled a moto win. Osborne. Um, only two rounds in. I don't know if you can gauge much off of that. And then Mudfest for the second round. Yeah. Pretty hard to take too much from that. In the 250 class, your boy's in blue. Like I said, Dylan Ferrandis, he's on top. And he's only got a slim lead, six points over Jeremy Martin, who's in second. Alex Martin, his brother, is in third. And he's 19 points down. Um, Trial train. What about that? Man. Jeremy coming off that back in, back injury. Absolutely. So how he is now, sitting out the Supercross. That's one of my um, points I've got here. Like, so cool to see Jeremy Martin back at the top following that broken back in 2018. I mean, that's huge. That is. Yeah, it's crazy. And then to, to go with his brother, what they did on the weekend, um, yeah, troll train, we're back. Props to both of those guys. That's pretty awesome. Hunter and Jet Lawrence, they've had a bit of a rough start. Jet had a 6-7 at round one and then... Two DNFs. Yeah, 30-31, which is nothing much to speak about with two blown-up bikes. Hunter looks like he's copped an injury with a shoulder with really, again, no results to speak of. So really sucks to see those boys out. I was hoping for big things from there. Yeah, but, um, yeah, a bit unfortunate. Any takes from the 250 class from you, Bo, that, other than those guys? Not really? Not really, no. I think once the conditions clear up, like, Ferrandis is a level above at the moment on outdoors. Yeah. Is my nice honest opinion. Yeah, I think it's yeah, going to be pretty hard to beat him. He looks sound. He's got a lot of speed. He's been fastest in practices and qualifyings, and it just looks like he's got to happen. And so... I think he's going to be hard to beat over the course of the series. The next rounds we've got coming up, uh, Ironman Raceway, and then I think we've got three or four more before we record the next episode. So let's see what happens in between now and then. If you have a question or something you would like to talk about, send us an email or message us on Facebook and Instagram. We had three rounds of the MXGP go down this month in Latvia. Man, that track looked pretty tricky, eh? Like, really nasty. Like, it was sandy, but sort of not like those Dutch sand tracks like Lommel and that way, like those long, whooped out. You know, this was like kind of V'd out in the middle and square-edged, but still sandy, and it just looks super tough to ride. I mean, lots of mistakes. Riders going off the track and just super inconsistent finishes from, like, everybody, you know, like... I watched 
most of the highlights package and a few of some of the races and it wasn't like it was the same people at the front every time and the same old predictable result and I really think the track had a lot to do with that so that was pretty interesting to to see the track form up Jed. Yeah it is it, like, like you said it was really V'd out when you got 20, 30, 40 ruts to choose from whole way across the track all the way around the track and the results up and down like we started with Corolli at the start of the season I think Hurling's got in there then What's his name? Can't even pronounce his name. Yasakonis <laughs> on the Husky. Yeah. Koldenhoff. K- k- killing him, yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. just it's it's been an up and down season. Yeah. Um like I sort of was expecting Hurlings to sort of be a bit more just like you know, gets the start and runs away from everyone, but it's been really inconsistent. So in the MXGP class, Hurlings is your current points leader, forty six points ahead of Tim Geyser in second on the factory Honda. Uh, Minas Yasakonis, if that's how you say it, I think. On the factory Husky, he's in third. And uh, the people's favourite, I reckon, well, he's my favourite anyway, Tony Caroli, he's back in fourth. And he's equal third in the points. So still in the hunt, but, I mean, 50 points back this far in is still a bit of a stretch. So, um, Bo, what did you think of them, XGPs? You been watching it much, mate? Yeah, I have. I've been following that a little bit more on the AMAs, actually. As In my opinion, I think they're a high level of motocross. Yeah. And the field is so deep, as you spoke about, the inconsistent results. And you see, like when they cross the finish line, they're basically in a line back to 20th. There's no gaps. And how cool uh, are their bikes too, like all those factory bikes? Yeah, they're so sick. In that 450 class, the Aussie there is Mitch Evans. He's 12th in the points. And um, I think in those first couple, like he was, you know, just coming around, getting used to things a bit. And at that round five, which was the last one we saw, he had a much better performance with a 10th overall. And he was just right in amongst those factory guys there. I mean, he is a factory rider at the end of the day. But, yeah, he was in between uh, Jeremy Van Horbeek and Clement DeSalle. So 10th overall, I think that's pretty respectable. I think he's going to improve as the season goes on. And um, I'm looking for, yeah, much more out of Mitch Evans. I mean, what about you boys? Yeah, no, I'm, I feel the same, yeah. Same as Jed Beaton, you know. Um, they've all been mid Oh, middle to the front of the pack, I guess you would say, for these first few rounds. Yeah, I hope we get more out of them. They yeah. can they can give so much more. We've seen it. Any thoughts on Evans, Bo? Yeah, I think he's only going to improve. Yeah, from coming back from recent injuries that he's had and coming back like that, I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, I do too. I think his bike's probably going to improve as the season goes on too, and yep. gets a bit more time under his belt. Like you said, Jed, um, Jed Beaton, he's yet to match those second places that he had in the opening Grand Prix. Uh, which was Madeley Basin and whatever the other one was. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, his best in Latvia was a sixth. Um, he was third in the points. He slipped back to fifth. But I still think the best is yet to come from him. I, I think he probably, now that, you know, that ball's roll and the races are happening, I, I think he'll improve. Nathan Crawford, um, 15th overall in points. He broke in and got a top 10 there with a ninth um, in the first moto at the last round we saw. So a bit of improvement from from Nathan I think his biggest problem from what I can see is inconsistency. And look, let's be honest, he was a little bit inconsistent back here in his days in Australia as well. Um, but hopefully he can keep that thing upright and go all right. Bailey Malkowicz, 25th overall in points. His best has been a 16th in Moto1 at round five. Um, again, a little bit of inconsistencies. I, I think that track really lent itself for those guys to be a bit all over the place, which is a bit you know, disappointing. But hopefully we see those boys... Come good. Any thoughts on the rest of the Aussies there, boys? No, I haven't got too much. I just hope they do well. Go the Aussies. Mm, we won't know till till you know we get more into the season. Obviously, um, the tracks are just gnarly over there. So 
Yeah. No? Any thoughts yeah, on those fellas? I'm the same as Jed. I think once they get into the season and hopefully things settle down, they're sort of, the way it seems, they're thrown in the deep end. Yeah. Everything happening this year. It seems they're putting in the like hard a, yards. So, like, I don't think it's a lack of effort with those guys, and they are talented. I think, you know, they just got to work on those consistencies and they should get better. I did think it was a bit disappointing with Glenn Koldenhoff with his injury on that new gas gas. He was looking pretty fast and he's got a bit of an injury there at the moment, which sucks a bit. Um, And I think another point that I have got written down here, which is cool to see, is, you know, Yamaha showing how competitive they are in the MX2 class. It's been a KDM or in Husky, I guess you could say, KDM class forever, you know, like KDM have dominated that small bike class in MX2 for, God, 20 years it feels like. And the 450 class, like they've been smashing it the last. Yeah, Caroli's won what, however many titles in a That's row. That's right. But um, you know, even back to the one two five days, no one could beat those KDM one two fives in the early two thousands. Even like Langston was a champ on one back in the day. You know, like. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see Yamaha, you know, being more competitive now with Geertz. Renault and Ben Watson in there, so I think that's pretty interesting. There's a few GPs coming up this month, which we'll um, quickly have a chat about at the end of the show, so we'll um, see how that goes. If you haven't already, subscribe for free on your favourite podcast app. We didn't really touch on it much in the last episode, some of the local league, as we would call it, local racing, and... um, Dude, we had so many people being like, hey, you didn't talk about the local stuff. So, Jed, you've um, whacked a few notes together and got some info on the local stuff this month. I haven't been as much in really around the local tracks this month, but you've been a bit more than me. So I'll throw it to you on this one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry for not um, doing it last month, but I'll uh, jump in here. But, um, you know, we've got our local tracks, Cessnock, Lakes, Maitland, um, and then we've also got the Island and Singleton MX, which is close by as well. Um my favourite track, Cessnock. So, so far this year, they've held three point scores, which is great due to the restrictions and everything that we've had. Um, their last point score, track looked unreal. That was round three, held on the 2nd of August. I love the track um, at Cessnock. It's so yeah, much fun. The dirt's just prime all the time. You can have a week of rain and it's still good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was on the 2nd of August, their, their um, third point score. The... Obviously, we've got restrictions due to COVID, so you can only have so many riders, so many people at the track, as we, as we all know. Yeah. Um, they filled capacity midweek, um, so they had to cut the cut the entries off. It's a bit of a, I don't know what you'd call it, but... Muck bit around? A bit, bit of a muck around controversy, I guess. I, I would be a bit annoyed if I ended it as well. So they cut the all-powers um, class the, the night before, um, sent everybody an email um, saying, you know... So the night before the race, they just... Yeah, not be- not before the race. I, b- I believe they um they put it up on social media. Everyone yeah. who's entered, check your check your um emails and I yeah see people. I didn't enter, but I see people saying you know cancel the all powers class the night before. Um, so if you only entered two classes, you're sitting around all day for three rides. I'm glad glad I didn't enter. And, and that's a bit rough. I think you know yeah. if, you, if you're going to advertise the class, I think you need to make sure it happens. I know there's restrictions at the moment, but you know. You can't do that to people. I don't think that's real fair. Especially that's right. when you've paid money and mucked around with rider net and all that crap with that now. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, um, it's a long day sitting around all day for three rides. If you get the full three rides and your full five, six laps, whatever it is, um, probably could have been handled a bit better. Other classes combined or something. And we went to the first point score. Um, we know how long day day that was. It was packed, yeah. That's right, packed, sat around all day. 
um, you know, they'll fix it. They'll get on top of it. Mm. Um, so yeah, that was that was a bit of a disappointing point there. Move on to Lakes here. So they've had two point scores this this year so far. Um, they've had a few RPA days, even a midweek one this year. I think they held it on a Wednesday or something. I think it was school holidays. Yeah, yeah, school holidays held held a held a midweek ride there, um, and they've also even held a Heaven VMX round, which Bo was at. So we'll get into that with with Bo. Talk a bit of VMX, bit of vintage. Is Lakes your favourite local track, mate? Which one's your favourite? Like Cessnock Lakes. I mean, you've done a million laps around Lakes, but which one's your favourite? Oh, before I'd done a million laps, I'd probably say Lakes, but you'd probably get over it. I'd say Cessnock's my favourite track to ride. Yeah. If like if it's it. prime, like if both tracks are prime and we're like, righto, take your pick, you're going to Cessnock? Yep. Yeah, righto. Yeah. There you Fair go. Enough. I would agree. Mine's, I like Lakes too, but I would say Cessnock. Yeah. Anyway, keep going, yeah. Jed. Sorry. No, you're right. Um, round one was a mutter. Crazy times. So I just can't believe people people rode it. We all know that Lake Sturt. It's completely different to, to Cessnock. Cessnock's your prime, loam. Nice dirt. You can just hose it off with your garden hose. You go to lakes. It's gritty. It's got rocks in it. It's it it destroys your bike. So round one was muddy. Crazy times there. Um, round two was on Sunday the twenty twenty third. Um, now this is here's a here's a tricky one. Another bit of a controversy with our local track. Um, entries opened. New COVID restrictions came in three four days later. So I think it was like on the Tuesday they closed the. They said um, they didn't close the entries. Um, they cancelled the meeting. Mm. Advertised, cancelled. Um, everyone's going to receive refunds due to the new COVID restrictions that are coming. We don't know where we're going from here. Two days later, um, the a post goes up on social media and we're racing again. We're back. We're back. That's exactly what it said, <laughs> I think. We're back. Racing's on. Um <sighs> You get cancelled, you're getting a refund. So what's the normal thing you do? Find somewhere else to ride. Find somewhere else to ride. So we've got the island here, also an online booking system, um, which makes it a bit hard as as well, obviously, like for people to get refunds and everything. So a lot of people have entered the island. um, In in between. In in between these two two days where it's it's been cancelled and you're getting a refund. And then no, we're back. And no, we're back. Um, the island isn't going to give refunds and they shouldn't have to, you know. They're still, go- still going ahead. Um, so I don't know whether people received refunds at Lakes. I hope hope they did if, you know, if they couldn't make it to the meeting and the island didn't have to give refunds. Mm. So that could have been handled a bit better as well. You know, hey, guys, we're just going to stop the entries for the moment now. We'll get back to you whether we're going to give refunds or hold the meeting instead of just cancelling the meeting and saying, no, nah, it's, it's off. And you're going to get a refund. That whole refund thing makes me wonder a bit. Like, you know, when you talk about consumer products and things you buy and being entitled to refunds, like I understand that, you know, clubs and facilities like the island have got to turn a dollar over. Like, you know, you can't just do all this work for free. But at the same time, like, you know, at some point you've got to be entitled to a refund if you're not, you know, using it or whatever. So, yeah, just it's just made me wonder, like, with that whole ride in it thing as well, like... I think to a point it actually kills a little bit of the entries because people don't want to book on Thursday or Friday. Like we don't. You know what? Well, you know what we're all like. It's like Saturday night. Oh, yeah, I want to ride tomorrow. You know, I'm going to sign up to ride Lakes, the Island, Cessnock, whatever it might be. You know, like I'm not that organised. 
that's it. We should touch on that and and do a little bit of a segment on that. You know, next month or something, we'll we'll um we should, we'll touch on that in the rider net and everything. Like, I'm all for t- all the technology. Like we you know we love the t- the technology. You can do everything off your phone these days and that. Mm. But I just yeah I don't know about this online booking system. Obviously, you can get your numbers in and you know who's going to turn up, how many riders you've got. You can cut it off if you get too many entries. But then like perfect example is us. We love the technology, but we like to leave it to the last minute whether we're going to ride here, there, or where, what we're doing, you know, we might go, oh, no, we're not even going to ride. Are we gonna, can we get a refund then? Yeah. And, um, like, I think the Dome do it pretty well too, where it says when you sign up, oh, there's 10 spots left, oh, there's five spots left, or whatever it might be, you know. Whereas when you sign up and ride an ed or any of these other joints, it doesn't tell you anything. It's just like pay your money and off you go. Like, it'd be cool to go, oh, look, it's not quite full yet, or it is filling up, like I really do want to ride or book now, or maybe I'll wait and see. But yeah. Anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah, so we'll go into that at, a, at another stage, but I just think that could have been handled better as well. Um, I'm sure I'm sure, they'll, I'm sure they'll sort it out as well. Mm. Uh, we go to Maitland MX now, so that's another uh, other local track. So they've held one point score so far this year. They've got another one coming up this weekend um, on the 30th of August. They've also held a couple of RPA days, which is great. Um, one of the RPA days was wet. Um, I said the track started out really good and then got, got a bit muddy. We had, we've had we had a lot of rain around here lately. Um, round one was muddy for their round one point score and it's looking like good weather for this weekend for round two. We go into the island, so epic facility. I don't know. I don't, what, what do you say about it? If you've been there, you know you know what we're talking about and we love it, love going there. Um, it's open again, restricted numbers. There's an online booking system that they've got in place now. Yep. Um, I've been twice since it's opened up. I went the day after the dome. Actually, track was perfect. Um, we went the other week. Yeah, couple we went weeks a fortnight ago. Yeah, um, and it was it was muddy. It didn't it, didn't start out muddy, but then it rained whilst we we're there and turned into a just complete mud bath. I mean, I had a lot of fun. Bath. I enjoyed yeah. it. I don't mind a bit of mud. Yeah, but um, it was tough conditions. Like there was a lot of people who turned around and left the place. But that facility is awesome. You know, like grassed paddocks. It's not like some big old dust bowl, and it's just a nice facility to be yeah. like you can take the kids and the wife or whatever you can take the family and, that's right and it's still really cool it's not like you're sitting out some dust blown paddock in the middle of nowhere so yeah for that reason alone i actually quite like like the island yeah that's it um so far open every weekend so get online and book in there guys if you want to head up there and you don't want to race or anything another mx track which i guess no one really talks about too much or anything is um singleton mx I think they call it Singo MX on Facebook and stuff. So jump on and give those guys a follow. You don't need a race license or um, being endorsed or anything. If you're a junior rider, exactly the same as the island. You can just turn up, pay, ride. At the moment, they're doing the online thing as well to uh, restrict numbers and everything. Okay. Uh, their last one, I see that they were they put up, hey, guys, emails through your name, number, riders and everything. Um, and I think it was full within an hour. Oh, wow. Because it's uh, Gabby, my partner, it's her f- one of her favourite tracks, and I was like, I'll oh, flick her a message, oh, you want to go there? Jump back on. Oh, it's full. I've so, only been to Singleton a couple of times. It's more of a simple, tame track for, I don't want to say beginners, but people who don't want to say ride the pro track at the island. Like, it's the opposite of that. It's, it is, yeah. It's just a simple, learning, good, fun track. Um, uh, good jumps, everything like that. There's also a little peewee junior. Family atmosphere. Junior track, yeah, family atmosphere. Um yeah, it's great. They run the track in um, clockwise and anti-clockwise directions. It's different every month, I believe, however they run it. Um, yeah, so jump on there and have a look at those guys. They're running again. They've got certain dates and everything, and 
it's good fun up there too. I saw a really interesting article come up this month on the Dirt Action site. Damien Ashenhurst wrote it and I really like Damo's stuff. I think he's pretty creative in the way he tells stories and, you know, some of the content he puts up. He's not as technical as, you know, probably someone like me in the way I write stories, but I think he's very entertaining and tells a really good story. Anyway, he's got up there and we'll share it on our socials. Uh, Once the nursery closes, the racing dies. Nothing good comes away from... Oh, God, I'll start that again. Nothing good comes from walking away unless it's your fifth Krispy Kreme. <laughs> anyway, this, have a look at the story and, and check it out. But he goes on to say, you know, the nursery of Australian riders, you've got Chad Reed, Toby Price, Matt Moss, Craig Anderson, further back, Craig Dack, Glenn Bell, so many legendary Aussies. And, I mean, you can talk about that for Speedway. You can talk about it for MotoGP. There's so many... Australian motorsports heroes that we nurture here and come from, you know, Australian racing as a junior and stuff. And it would be so disappointing to see help and support removed from that. You know, KDM recently said they're removing their national racing commitment for the rest of the year for off-road. So they're not supporting their guys. That's obviously a little bit different with COVID and stuff that's going on there. But, you know, there's no official Kawasaki program. There's no official Suzuki program. They don't Let's be honest, they don't really put a whole lot of effort into racing those two. It's really wholly supported by the KDM group and Yamaha. They're really the two that put a massive driving force behind it. And, you know, he's got some really good points in there. Like, we all see your Ken Roxons of the world and you do relate to them to a point, but it's the tangible local heroes. It's it's having access to people like, like in our case when we were growing up, Bo Jed, Chad Reed was at the track. That's right. Craig Anderson Craig, was at yep. the track. Like, Bo, you've done a million laps with Ando and those boys. Yeah, I have over the years, definitely. And and they're kind of like our heroes a bit, you know, and I'm sure there's guys in Queensland that look up to, say, Mitch Evans today, you know, th- those kind of riders. In Victoria, again, you're going to have a different crowd down there, it's different riders all over the place. But having that local, tangible Aussie hero, you know, Australian road race kids must look up to Jack Miller and just be like, wow, Um and I think it would be a crying shame to lose that level of support. And he goes on to write a really good piece there. So props to Damo for that. And he also touches on a few other things like, you know, V8 supercars, those drivers do such a good job of self-marketing themselves and going out and grabbing the sponsors themselves. And there's, I don't want to say all of, but there's a handful of riders that are in Australia that seem to expect super... Um, sponsorship to just turn up on their doorstep and someone's knocking on their door and they're like, hey, Bo, guess what? We're going to give you a million dollars to go racing. And you know as well as I do, mate, that doesn't happen. You've got to do it yourself. Yeah, that's right. you definitely got to do it yourself. And it's those personal relationships too, like, you know, building that network and meeting the people and you've had a lot of help over the years and, you know, you've sort of been that privateer, a little bit of factory help here and there when you've been on some different teams and it's, it's yes, it's results, but it's also you. Like, it's Bo Ralston they're chasing, you know, and you're a good bloke. I mean, you know what it's like to chase these guys around? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> so, anyway, interesting article. We'll repost it. Um, have a read. Hope you guys like it and enjoy it. And stay tuned to Dirt Action because I think Damo does a lot of great work too. Bo Ralston, it's time to sit down and have a bit of an interview style 
chat convo with you, mate. So um, you've made the change to Kawasaki this year, mate. How's the bike and how'd you end up on a Kawasaki? The bike is unreal. I'll start with that. But, yeah, how I ended up on it was the um, the TT race at Curry Speedway at the start of the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, that ended up getting canned due to weather. But um, So I ran Chris Watson motorcycles and uh, I didn't have any bikes or any support at, the, at that minute. And, um, yeah, basically said there's this race on. I want to do it. There's five grand up to win. And what have you got? And he came back. And, yeah, he come back and said, you know, basically – Go see Angus at Hunter Valley and he'll have a KX450 for you. Right. So you've been involved with Chris Watson Motorcycles for a long time, obviously. You had Yamahas, Suzuki's, and God knows what else through him. Yeah, and pretty much ever since I was a really young junior. In between every sort of factory or support ride I've had, I've been with Chris Watson. Yeah, I've re- fixed a lot of them. <laughs> Did you really? You <laughs> wouldn't have had to fix any of mine. Come on. <laughs> they were the ones that got traded in at the end of the year. Ones that come back. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's another bow bike. <laughs> so uh, Chris Watson's obviously a part of the Hunter Valley, Hunter Valley Motorsport shop there at Rutherford. They're a Kawasaki and KDM dealer. So you've landed on a Kawasaki. Is that just through the shop or is there more Kawasaki support behind it? Or No, that's just purely through the shop. We tried to get more Cowie support, yep. which I, I'm still going to try and get because I like the bike that much. Yep. And I'm I'm going to do everything I can to stay on it because I think the bike is unreal. No, that's good. I mean, you don't see many around here. It's just like blue bikes and orange bikes with a splash of white huskies here and there. And there's really not much else around. A few Hondas, obviously, but the Cowies in popularity-wise aren't as much. But it's good to hear you love the bike, mate. That's that's pretty good. What you know? What's done to it? Is it set up for the bush? Is it motocross base? And who's done that work, you know? Like, what have you done to it? Um, so I've had uh, Steve Jones from TuneTech do the suspension, um, which is, it's sort of in between off-road and motocross, I'd say. I said, I want a firm enduro setting because I'm going to do local motocross as well, mm-hmm. which throughout the year it's sort of changed. I want to do more motocross than enduro. Yep. But, um, but yeah, so we've got the suspension done by him, which is a firm enduro setup. I've got a hints and clutch in it. Um the neck and triple clamps because the cowie comes out with seven eight bars stock Mm -hmm. which i was worried about you know hitting trees or crashing bending them things so yep i wanted to get the yeah neck and triple clamps and the neck and soft feel handlebars which yeah they're given they're unreal i don't know if you guys have used those i haven't i haven't i have seen them um seen them around seen the advertisements and stuff like that um i've never tried them but it's striked my interest so have you only used them on the Cowie or had you used them before that? Uh, the first time I used them was on the Husky last year. Okay. And, yeah, they are they are unreal. They basically feel like a normal handle, gri- normal handle grip on a normal handlebar. Um, but in the long races like Hadar and, and Fink and, and things like that, you, it's not as harsh on your hands. You don't get blisters. Because it's – am I right in saying it's a smaller tube and a thicker grip? Is that what they are or – Yeah, a smaller handlebar tube with a thicker grip. So the grip diameter is the same as a, a normal handle grip. Yeah, on the outside where on your hands outside, are. On the outside, yeah. Yeah. But you've got more rubber underneath underneath your hands. Right, and obviously so that takes the shock and vibration and... Yeah, and there's flex and stuff like that. Yeah, right, nice. Yeah, I haven't had anything to do with them either. Yeah. I think um, Greeny uses them as well, doesn't he? Yeah, Greeny uses them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sp- Obviously, we had Greeny on last month and we were speaking about the Transmoto six-hour at Nabiak. Um, you guys entered in the... You're on a different team, obviously. Um, the Unifielder Australia team. How was it? How was the the event, event? The the track? It looked muddy. 
Yeah, the the event was unreal. You can't fault the event. The conditions are pretty pretty tough. But I mean, it is what it is. It was still fun. The track was unreal. The event was good. A few beers with your mates the night before. You know, rock up and race and have fun. Camping out, hanging out. Yeah, yeah camping yeah, out. Yeah. You weren't pitted near Josh Gleason at all, were you? I wasn't pitted near him, but I um, made my way over there the night before. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. So I see Gleason in it, and I'm thinking, Gleason camping beers. He's yeah. an entertaining character. Entertaining. I remember the days at um, Dunny at Do. Dunny Do. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was on? Who was on your team? Who were your teammates? And uh, so uh, I was on the Unifielder Australia team with um, Stefan Gronquist, Emily Carlson, and um, out of mind blank. Who else was on our team? <laughs> I can't, I can't even Did they ride? <laughs> yeah, they ride. Oh, Scott Keegan. Oh, yeah, Scotty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you did all right. You've got um, uh, second overall, I see. Um, how, much of the, how, how much of the six hours in that did you have to ride? And uh, So we basically went off a two-lap system. Every, every team member done two laps, come in, swap for the next guy, two laps. Yeah, okay. How, how yeah. long were the laps? I think I was doing about 14 minutes a lap. Okay. Oh, right. So you're doing sort so of half an hour, doing half roughly. An hour, yeah. yeah, just less than half an hour each session, yeah. Well, that's a pretty yeah. good ride. I mean, nothing to be sneezed at. That's a good stint. Half an hour each and switch it around and off you go. Yeah, so I think I got three – no, sorry, I got three half-an-hour sessions and then I finished with one lap at the end, so – it was yeah, it was more than enough riding. That the track, track got pretty gnarly. I was gonna and rough. say, man, it looked nasty that track. Yep. Was it? Yeah, when you weren't wrestling your bike in sand whoops, it was mud ruts that were, you know, foot peg deep. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I seen I seen like, you know, you see the photos beforehand and that and everyone's camping out and hanging out. And we, we were talking about it last month and saying that we're gonna have to go to one. Well you were saying we're gonna have to go to one. Yeah. And uh I was like, Yeah, this looked pretty cool, eh? Like, you know, hanging out, camp out, fire, beers, bit of riding. And then you see the start of the track and it's like, yeah, that looks pretty good, eh? Bit of sand. We've, we had rain as well. So I was yeah. like, that'd be perfect. And then as the day progressed and videos and photos kept getting released and put up, I'm like, yeah, no, that's why I don't go to those. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did make the point, oh, it's either a dust bowl or a mud hole. That's it. And I'm like, nah, these events are fine. And then we see the Transmotor one. I'm like, oh, Jed was right. It's bloody... Complete mud pit. That's what they are. But I'd like to get into it one day and that. And, mm. Yeah, I think that's a part of the fun of it, though. When you get there, it's you're sort of in a race mode, and then halfway through the race, it turns to like survival mode. And then when you make <laughs> it to the end, it's you're pumped that you made it to the end with your team. Have you done yeah. any of the Transmoto races before? I've done a few. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which one's your favourite out of the ones you've done? I'd say Nabiak. Even in those conditions, it was good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's Everyone says that. Nab- what was it? Nabiak and Dungog is the two favourites or um, Coffs? Or- Coffs. Yeah, yeah, Nabiak and Coffs. Yeah, I've okay. heard Coffs is good. Yeah, I yeah. haven't been there myself. but Yeah, okay. We might have to go. Uh, there's no a uh, off-road racing. So um, what, what are you, are you, you going to do Do the rest? Coffs Harbour, Batemans Bay. We've got Stroud, Clarence Valley. Um, which is north of Grafton, are you going to do those ones? That's the Transmoto Transmotos, races, yeah. yeah. I'd definitely like to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If they go ahead. Yeah. I mean, restrictions are changing all the time and we don't know what's happening, I guess. Yeah. If they're going ahead, I'd like to do them. You're going to do some local um, MX races and stuff at, a, at our yeah. local tracks and that as well, yeah? Yeah, definitely. I'll do some local motocross. Yeah, yeah. Back to the grassroots. Yep. Yeah. Um, VMX at Lakes. So you ended up there, I think you rode... Your old man's bikes? 
Yeah, Road Mile Man's 84 CR500, and I think it's an 87 or 88 YZ490. Yeah, right. How long has he had those things for? He's had the CR500 for probably five years, and he got the YZ490 about two years ago. He'd love those old rigs. He'd be just telling you about them all day long. <laughs> Back in my day, we used to race these bikes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he did. I actually done my first vintage race a few years ago up Port, and I rode a YZ490 there. And the guy whose bike I rode, um, Brad Anderson, he's brand concreting in Sydney. But, um, yeah, I'd come in from practice, and my old man and him were like, how is it? The bike, they're a weapon, aren't they? They're so <laughs> fast. And, was, and they were disappointed when i was like this thing is slow <laughs> <laughs> how is the track at lakes for the vintage bikes they don't overly prep it for the vintage races so they don't rip it deep or anything so the dirt's thin and it doesn't really get rough or rutted so it's pretty good yeah okay it's does pretty it go, smooth and does it go right on those jumps because there's like a couple of decent jumps here at lakes I'd imagine a lot of people's bikes would, but I don't think my old man's had the suspension service since the bikes were new back in the eighties. So, <laughs> so it got a bit wild on the jumps and the and the downhills, but it was all right. Were you hitting the center on it? Yeah, at lakes. Yeah, yeah okay. I'd hate to land halfway across that on them. Yeah, you would. Yeah, <laughs> better off to just send it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you get much riding in it those vintage days, or is it just sort of like a club day, or how's that work? I guess it, it depends how many bikes you got in different eras. So the the classes work off eras and capacity. And um, so with those two bikes, I got like eight races through the day and all five lap races. You get heaps of riding. Yeah, okay. And that was only off those two bikes? Two bikes, yeah. And they were pretty close in eras. So the 500 was 84. Yeah. And the 490, like I said, 87 or 88. Yeah, okay. And and um, you've you've done a few of those events, like you said, Port Macquarie and stuff. Um. Is it kind of the same setup as the um, Transmotos where you camp out the night before and stuff and everything? Like, is you know, do you enjoy it? Good at- atmosphere? Is that how it's run? Yeah, it's very much like the Transmotos. So you camp out with everyone and a few beers and a barbecue. Hang I guess out. that's why I like it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do more of the vintage stuff or is it just sort of like one of them things where you just enter just for the fun of it for something to do? Oh, I just enter for the fun of it when nothing else is on. I mean, my old man's got bikes and... When he's not riding them and and nothing else is on, I'll, I'll always do it. Yeah. I just like racing bikes. It doesn't matter what it is. Just get out there and have a squirt. Yeah. Did Did your old man ride as well? No, he didn't ride that race, actually. I, don't, I didn't? I'm, he had something else on. Yeah, he was away. Yeah, okay. You know what I'd like to see? I was thinking about your old man, Moon. Baz. My old man, yeah. Yeah, Baz, your old man. Whitey. Um, all, all, the, all, the, all the old fellas. Back to back together again because you know we go riding at your house and your dad would jump on one of our bikes and tell us how we're pussies and all this and we can't ride and oh. you know this is what he do to us all the time and hmm. and uh, it'd be good to to see all them at a vintage meet back on these old bikes back in their prime time and 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 watch watching them ride around. The older these blokes get, the faster they were. <laughs> like the yeah. stories that had come out, you were just sitting there go like, righto, old fellas, like you have to be kidding. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you remember, I, I can't remember if you were there, but when, when we were all up years ago, up Bulladeela, and Barry, my old man, and Jay Foreman, they all got on our bikes. On the RM80s? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were racing around just like you were, were saying. Were they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, had, yeah. So a we couple had of this... beers, and they were racing around on this grass track. Yeah, yeah when okay. we were kids, yeah. um, I forgot all about that. Hey, I forgot you were even there. So when we were kids, um, a friend of um, my mum and dad's, like friend of a friend, family type thing, um, had this property 
halfway in between um, Gloucester and Bulladilla um, at a place called Walk Ivory. Anyway, we used to go camping up there. This is like, oh, I don't know, 99, 2000, somewhere around there. Um, and we used to go camping and there's heaps of us. Like there was, I don't know, 20 or 30 people, 40 people camping and we'd all camp out there. We, there was two paddocks. We had this mad track on the side of a hill, but it often rained and it got too slippery to ride. So we'd go like across the creek and there was another flat, flatter paddock across the other side, which was better to be honest. And we had some pretty cool tracks over there and like, yeah, like me, you, Bo, you came a couple of times. Um, I think Chad Reed even came a couple of times. Like he came with, yeah. um, oh god, I'm, uh, Jay Kelly and a couple of boys, and they used to like rally into Jay. the yeah. they used to like rally into the joint in their vans and camp. Troy came a couple of times. Troy fed, so they had this old working dog there, like a old kelpie, a cattle dog or whatever it was. Troy fed the cattle dog like a old chicken bone and a heap of old chicken or something. <laughs> And then the old fella who owned the farm comes out the next day and he's blown up. Oh, the bloody dog. It's been frigging useless the last day. It won't work. It won't do this. It won't do that. Troy's fed the damn thing all this food. So this dog is just like lays down on its back. The old fella's blown up. It's pretty funny. But anyway, yeah, so the old boys, yeah, Jay Foreman was there, ex-Suzuki team manager, for those of you who don't know who Jay is. And he must have been there with his kids as well. And there was a fleet of RM eighty five, so there would have been like you, my brothers, yeah. Um, Jay would have had some, the Carlishes would have had a few. Anyway, Chinese safety boots, pair of pluggers, and away these boys. I think I'm sure they had no helmet. No, nah, I think they might have had helmets on. Now that I think about it, but maybe yeah, I'm not. I'm gonna say they probably did. <laughs> <laughs> and they're racing around this track and there's these big mud bogs and they all cover each other in mud and anyway, it was a good old time. They yeah. were the days, eh, mate? Yeah, they were the days. That was such a fun spot. It'd be cool if we had somewhere to go like that nowadays. It'd be good to see him back on the track. <laughs> oh no, <in> mateys. <laughs> <laughs> Anything really. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh moving on. I got a few off road oh, I got a off road question for you, Bo. So you had motocross and supercross for years. But then you transitioned to the off-road series. How did that happen? Like, did you – was it a conscious effort? Did you just enter a race for fun and then got hooked on it or – No, so at the end of the 2013 motocross season, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So th- that year is a story in itself. So I bought a, a bike off eBay, was a 252 stroke, done the motocross nationals to try and have a last-ditch effort of sort of, you know, getting a ride or walking away. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I had good results, a lot of top fives in the lights or whatever. At the end of the year, I had no support, so I was you know, I was done. I was working, spent the whole off-season working. And then the start of the next year, there was the, the Enduro Cross started, and they had really good prize money up. So this is going into 2014? Yeah, sorry, yeah, into yep, 2014. Yep. Um, and there was good prize money up. They'd done the first round in Brisbane, and I was watching on YouTube. I'm like, this is like an Enduro uh, Stadium Cross track. I can do that. Mm. And I um I got on to uh Graham Boyd, Suzuki in Newcastle at the time to to get a bike to do the rest of the series. There's two rounds left. And um yeah, that's pretty much And then it just rolled on from there. Yeah. So he just got a Yamaha dealership mm-hmm. and yeah, I got a borrowed a YZ four fifty off him and he rocked up at Sydney. Nice. And then you rode you know, privateer effort that, or somewhat privateer effort that first year, 2014. Where did you, how did you end up on AJ's team? Where did you go from there sort of thing? 
Yeah, okay. So the I got um, I borrowed that bike off Graham Boyd. Had two rounds of enduro cross. The remaining rounds of that series, I done pretty well, surprisingly. And considering how how I said I thought the first round was like stadium cross, it rocked up at the next round and it was gnarly. And I was considering going home before I even rode. Yeah, right. To be honest with you. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. <laughs> And then, yeah, two weeks after that, there was Melbourne, which had done pretty well there. And at the end of that event, it's AJ messaged me on Facebook with his phone number and said, ring me. And then that was just And then that was it. And then two weeks after that, or three weeks maybe, there was the first AORC. So I rode from AJ from then for the next five years. All right. So that happened all pretty quick, really. Like, it just sort of, you got a bike and it snowballed and then bang, away it went. Yeah, pretty much. All within, yeah, three weeks. Wow, I, was, I, I wasn't racing at all. Borrowed a bike and then signed with AJ. Wow, I had no idea it took off that quick. And then you rode for AJ for a long time and Yamaha and all that sort of stuff. And I guess look a little bit like Greeny. We'll probably get you in a couple of times here, but we might dive into those parts of your career a bit more then. But yeah, that was pretty interesting. So I guess while you're on AJ's team, is there a highlight or something that springs to mind? Maybe a six days or what was sort of one of the highlights that comes to memory of riding for AJ? Oh, in terms of races, there's when they all sort of blend together. It's yeah. it's just another race, I guess. But just everything I learnt because that team was yeah, they're unreal. I think they're second to none. Yeah, so you really rate that that Yamaha effort that AJ runs. Greeny yeah, does, but... and I know he's quite involved <laughs> in it. And Greeny rates a lot of things he does. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a nice way. But, um, yeah, so that was a, a cool experience. Yeah, regardless of. Greeny's opinion, I think AJ runs a tight <laughs> ship and it's really good. <laughs> um, another interesting topic, well, I find interesting that I wanted to touch on, mate. So winding the clock back a, a bit further, JDR Motorsports. So 2009 or before that, I think, is when they started helping you out a bit more. But how did how did that come about? You were, you know, racing MX Nationals at the time. We're sort of talking to seven, eight, somewhere there. And then... The Reinenberg family comes along. How do you get involved? Where does that go? And Yeah, so I, I wasn't really racing the motocross nationals as a series. I was just doing the local rounds when I first turned senior in 2007, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just doing local races and, and the local nationals, which were the round in Sydney, which has probably happened back then, and Lakes had a round. Yeah. And, or Raymond Terrace. So I was only doing the local stuff. Yeah. And anyway, there was... Because Lakes had around, all the top guys were coming there to practice. And, and Jay, Jay Rodenberg was there yeah, racing himself. And I was doing quite well against everyone that was there. And, oh, you know, Jay Marmon, all the local boys like um, we got Luke George, Mitch Ode, as you know, our local talent's been real deep for a lot of years. Yeah, getting 10th, like getting a top 10 at a club day was like an achievement. Yeah, yeah, it was. It really was back then. But yeah, so they, yeah, they were there at club days and, and seen how I was riding or whatever and walked up one day randomly. I, I'd never met him before and Jay and his dad introduced themselves. I sort of became friendly with them and I thought they knew people at the local club and said, yeah, we've been looking at the results and you're not at the Nationals. How come? You're racing against these guys and, and where are all you? that. Yeah, where are you? And we're like, oh, you know, we can't really afford it. It is what it is. We'll just like run bikes. Do what we can. Yeah. And it, it wasn't really much of a big deal. And then, yeah, the, the, the next club day it was, he walked up and I remember, like it was yesterday actually, Derek goes, is that your dad over there? That guy there? And I said, yeah, that's him. And he asked me what his name was. I said, yeah, that's Chris. 
he walked straight over to dad and said, we want to help your son and take him to the nationals. And that was 2008. So then I'd done the rest of the nationals from, um, memory's a bit blurry, but probably halfway through the series, I'd done the rest of them that year. Yeah, wow. And then obviously it took off in 2009 and it went from them helping you to, I think to this day, probably one of the biggest setups in Australian motocross. Um, Five rider team from memory. So there was Andrew McFarlane, yourself on big bikes. Then you had Denny Anderson and Ryan Marmont on 250s. Josh Kasher in under-19s. Yeah, that's right. Is that right? Yeah, it was a big team, yeah. Yeah, it was a big team and they poured a lot of dough into that. So obviously that's how the ride came about. I mean... You just got into that. So did you only ride for them for that year or did that sort of flow on a bit more? Or So they had that, the team that year. Yep. We rode Yamahas. And then the the next year I went to Coastal KDM. Ah, yes. Um, which they supported myself and Josh Kasher to be there at Coastal KDM and, and they were a lot of the budget to run Coastal KDM that year. Good old Bondi. Yeah. What a top bloke yep. he is. Um, so when you're at JDR, did you have – your own mechanic while you were there? I had my own race mechanic, yeah. Yeah, you had your own race, race mechanic. Days, yeah. Those bikes were pretty trick. I mean, I don't know what you can remember from those things, but they sort of threw the kitchen sink at those from memory, didn't they? Yeah, I can remember those bikes pretty well, actually. We had all the bling. Everything? Yeah. So Everything was... that looked good. <laughs> <laughs> How did they go? How did they perform? I didn't have much knowledge about bikes set up in that back then, and so I couldn't tell the guys what to do but my bikes for the first sort of six months were not great yeah right oh, i think i don't know if you remember at all but my results changed when the bikes changed okay and i got certain mechanics yeah yeah right and that was just from development on the bike and working on the bike and that sort of thing yeah yeah pretty well yeah and obviously like you said you're only young at the time so you don't have a whole lot of direction you're sort of relying on the knowledgeable people around you which to be honest there weren't that many around there at that point it was just a brand new setup yeah, they. I mean, they were lucky enough to have Danny Apro as a head mechanic that year. But so to put things into perspective, the first time I had my suspension done on any of my bikes was the year before that. So I, I didn't know what to tell them about anything. You were, you were learning, learning <laughs> yeah. yourself, yeah. 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 There was dollars everywhere. I mean, the truck. Well, they started the US team in that as well. Yeah, like the, even yeah. just the truck and the setup and everything they had going on, like. Wow, what a setup! They must have poured so much cash into that. Yeah, yeah what happened? Rid- yeah, where did where did that go? Just poof, thin air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it did, it just disappeared. Yeah. Does anyone know what happened to the equipment? Like, what happened to the truck? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, yeah. I, I know all the bikes and all that stuff stuff got sold off. Like, my brother had one, and then it got sold, and suspension got raped and pillaged from this bike and moved around, and there was parts flying around for years off those bikes. But because um, they had that Enzo KYB factory suspension on them and all sorts of stuff that was getting yeah sold and moved around for years, but yeah, you just don't see them. Dis- oh, I don't know. Dis- you don't really see them die off and disappear like that. No. So, so like you know, the efforts like that you still hear about them or trying or it gets handed over to someone else. So yeah, did you have much yeah. to do with like the other guys on the team, McFarlane, Diggs, those fellas? I mean, Diggs a bit, I no. guess, because he's close by. But what about the other guys? Did you have much to do with those or not really? So I had a fair bit to do with Andrew yep. I, um, and Diggs, obviously, because same area and we were best of mates at that time. Yeah. Um, so we pretty much done all of our riding and all of our training together. And then, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Queensland because uh, halfway through the year, the guy that became my mechanic, Luke Sanderson, which really changed things for me bike-wise and, and my results started getting a lot better. Um, 
yeah, so he was based in Queensland. So I'd go and stay at his place and, and ride with Andrew a lot. Nice. I learned a lot from him that year. Interesting. Well, um, I think we'll get you on another couple of times on here, mate, when it permits, and we'll dive into other parts of your career. But um, a little bit off the topic of dirt bikes, BMX and being a dad. I mean, you raced BMX a, a lot as a kid. That's a bit of a flashback for you. Um, are you hitting the track now with your daughter, or is it just her, or what's happening there? She's the only one racing and doing practice nights, I guess you call them. But mm-hmm. I, on the the afternoons that we go there, I still hit the track yeah, quietly because nice. I'm going to race again myself, and I don't want to rock up dusty. <laughs> uh, secret practice he's getting the secret practice in under he never posts those videos only the ones of his daughter but he's doing laps yeah he's still <laughs> just as competitive isn't he yeah he's that's like, it oh no nah, i'm not serious but i'm gonna go out there and practice and yeah. smoke his yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Jed, yeah. your top 10 questions mate we're gonna try and do these every episode where you go yeah we've got a couple more again we just can't help ourselves what was your favorite race bike over the years My favourite race bike, that's a hard one. Or I even would, even um, any bike, I guess, like you've you've had you've had a lot of bikes. My favourite bike with the most potential, I think, is the KX four fifty I've got right now. You've only just got it now. Yeah. Yep. Uh favourite VMX bike that you've ridden? Ooh. Uh YZ four ninety. Your old man's. No, actually, um the one I rode a couple of years ago, Brad Anderson's. Well, okay. What made yeah. it? Like memorable? Was there something about it that made it memorable, or the power? Like it, it, it didn't have a lot of power, but it was very usable. Okay, there we go. Uh, favorite team or setup over the years that you've ran or been involved in? Um, Activate Yamaha. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, MX or enduro? Motocross. BMX or motorcycles? I like motorbikes better. But if it come down to what I was better at, BMX. Yeah, better on BMX, you think? 100%. Okay. Always have been. Yeah. Um, Favourite memory from juniors. So me and Todd will remember from growing up, like you're younger than us, obviously, but you were just dominant. Like Lake, Cessnock, everything. Bo's, here's Bobo Ralston. He's winning again. There he is. Half a lap in front, smoking everyone. So what's your favourite memory from juniors like lakes, um, podiums at Aussie Supercrosses or or anything like that? From juniors, I'd say my first Supercross win at Adelaide Supercross at Wavell, Wavell Showground, probably 2006 or seven or something. RM85? RMZ250. Oh, oh right. Jeez, yeah. the old RMZ250 of that day. <laughs> did your vows last the race, did they? There were only six lappers as a junior, so it was sweet. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> uh, what's the worst injury you've had over the years? Oh, that's a hard one. De- Long term, definitely. I um, when I done my knee for activate Yamaha, I tore my ACL, PCL, LCL, hamstring tendon, and fractured my femur and tibia, and also broke eight ribs in that crash. All in one. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <clears throat> um, someone that you looked up to. Um, or was a big influence throughout your your career of riding? Um, in terms of local guys that I looked up to the most, I'd say Craig Anderson. Oh, I thought you might say that, yeah. Done a lot of laps with him and yeah, practicing and everything, yeah. Um, Favourite sport um, or athlete outside of motocross? Muhammad Ali. Yeah, a bit of boxing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Why, you, what, what's so intriguing about boxing for you? 
Um, just the the discipline it takes and how, how it's more than just, I mean, it looks like a physical sport, but it's more a mental sport than a physical sport, I think. Any I reason think it's behind, deceiving. Any reason behind Muhammad Ali or just? Just that he was more, I don't know, there's a lot of things he done that was more than boxing. Yeah, like he, he, he was bigger than boxing at that time. Yeah. Do you do a bit of boxing yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do. You do? Yeah. yeah okay. How does Billy go? Billy, you guys are right. You guys are right. <laughs> I've had a few black eyes. <laughs> Billy, Billy's a workmate of uh, mine and Jed's. It's a bit of an inside joke, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I hear he goes good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is your old man still faster? Faster than faster than you? Does he? I'm sure he tells you how fast he was back in the day. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. One thing I will say though, on a mini bike with half a gut full of beer. He he is still, yeah, still hooks in. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember actually we were at a um, family friend's party and <laughs> a few drinks and mini bike races under lights and whatnot. And yeah, once he'd had a few beers, he was the fastest. And there was guys, you know, like Brock McCleary and that there, and myself and whatever. He was faster than all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Go I could, yeah, I could just see that now. Not yep. a care in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been doing a. Do a fair bit of mountain biking. <clears throat> I've been going to the top of uh, Mount Sugarloaf. So for people that don't know, that's uh, in our local area. It's a big bush area, um, motorbike tracks and mountain bike tracks. So I've been riding to the top on the road, dropping in and uh, just working my way down to, to my house. I'm down the bottom there. Come across a lot of tracks in the bush. Um, there seems to be all these tracks with blue dots on the trees. Are they your tracks? I'm not pa- sure pa- about pa- the blue dots that some guys dots. painted on the trees, but the tracks might have something to do with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of motor. There's a lot of I wouldn't say motocross, but there's a lot of prime tracks in in these trees down there, and there's blue dots painted everywhere. You can you can you can look for kilometres, and there's like a full track with blue dots all over the trees. And I thought, I bet you they're bows. Yeah, yeah, I've got a fair few tracks around that area. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Um, social media. So if you follow you on there, it's almost like Greeny gives a um he gives us the soil testing videos with his with his foot and you get the perfect thing. We get a few concreting ones from you. So what's your thoughts on the perfect concrete finish that's um social media worthy? Oh, concrete finish. Probably a, a good fish scale cove, I think. Yeah. Okay. A, a good one, yeah, where it's straight and the dummy joins are straight and it's edged good. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, no, that, that makes it's pretty that, basic, but it's it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard to get a good. Didn't straight. even know it was called that. There we go. Uh, I, I still don't know. My dad's a concreter, and I'm still not sure what all that is. But anyway, <laughs> concrete is out there. I'm sure you'll love it. I'll yeah. have to go and hit up the old boy and see what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Bo. Enjoyed um, having you on and talking about your career. We'll we'll get you on another time, mate. We'll go through a bit more, but um, stick around. We have still got a little bit more to go. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Search Todd and Jed. Anyone that's been following the motocross championship and I guess just the sport in general closely in Australia here at the moment, you've probably seen, you know, Jesse Dobson leave the KTM team and a bunch of people and personnel removed or have left or have been sacked, depends on which part of the rumours you, you listen to from the KDM squad and the Husky squads for that manager, for that matter. Uh, personnel have gone from mechanics 
to, you know, marketing people and a whole lot. And to draw a bit more of the picture on that one, so KDM in the last couple of years um, was forever a private um, company in Australia and then eventually listed on the stock exchange under Automotive Holdings Group, which is actually a big group of car yards. They have Toyota dealerships and all sorts of stuff all around the country. They're big in WA, big here in New South Wales and still have a bit of a footprint elsewhere. And that was under the management of Jeff Leesk. Um, following that, the KDM Europe Group um, have purchased KDM off AHG um, and are now running it themselves. So there's new management in there uh, under the direction now from Europe. So new ownership, new management, whole new structure. We've had COVID hit, which has really thrown things around as well. Um, their bike sales are absolutely through the roof, but they have gone through the place with a broom and just cleaned it out. Like there is almost nobody left. And we've heard all sorts of stories about salaries and support and riders and what's going on. And a um, bit of an interesting development there with KDM, Jed. I mean, it's weird, like massive sales, boom, but complete change at the, you know, at the corporate level. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I understand that like, we work for a big company our, ourselves and, you know, it's all about the cost cutting and production and, and getting the most out of, you know, you're getting your money's worth out of things. Mm. The, the interesting I find is, is the the structure of the teams, um, like we see the Raceline KDM team and stuff. Um, you speak about, you've told me about the Ferris setup. Um, I find it interesting how how they've gone from that, if you want to talk on that. Yeah, well, like, at all. so it seems is that KDM have really gone away from that in-house support, you know, so... I guess they've been a bit on and off with that over the years where KDM have had their own in-house team that's run, you know, in the factory there. It was at Emu Plains for a long time and it was a factory team run by KDM Australia. And then it was farmed out to JDR, which we spoke about before, Bo, and the JDR team ran it. And then it came back in-house and we had uh, Luke Clout, Luke Stike, Kirk Gibbs ride for the factory team again. Um, And it appears now they've gone back to this farming and out effort with Waters and his own team, Ferris, with the race line effort um, and the only sort of, I guess you could say factory guys or supported guys, at least directly were your off-road team of Milner and Sanders and, and those guys, but you know, all of their personnel and mechanics are now gone. So that's going to leave those guys up in the air. It's just such a weird dynamic. Like we were speaking before about that article that Damien Ashenhurst wrote about the manufacturers supporting the riders and nurturing that talent here in Australia and, yeah, it really makes me wonder, like, what's going on? I mean, it's so weird. It is, yeah. It's so weird in the motocross community at the moment. Like, we don't know what's happening. If it's – obviously, something's going to happen. MA's going to run the series and that. It just seems like it's on a bit of a downward spiral at the moment. And I, I must say, like, they all sit, talk about cost-cutting and, you know, it's all about the mighty dollar. But like we said in the last episode, bike sales are up 30 or 40%. Like – yeah, they, they can't sit here and say, oh, oh, bike sales are going no good. Sorry, mate, we can't afford to support you. Like rubbish. Me and Bo were just talking about that whilst we weren't recording. Um, our local dealer, One of our local dealerships around here, Chris Watson Motorcycles, um, that we go to, you walk in there, the shelves are always stocked. I was in there the other day. They can't get product in because it's selling that fast. And if you know Chris Watson's, He's all for the second-hand bikes. Like, he will trade anything. He has a full-time detailer and just turns bikes over, like second-hand bikes. And you go in there now, there's no second-hand bikes. K- 
cannot keep the second-hand bikes on the floor. They're just going like hotcakes. Like you say, new bike sales up 30%. Um, you, you've seen it. You were, you've been in there and seen the, the bikes both. Or there's nothing on the floor to, to lack see. Of yeah, lack of bikes. To see, no. And he has rows of second-hand bikes. Just can't keep it up. And we're talking about the sponsorship. Like, since COVID, we're making all this um, money, doing all these sales and everything, but there's no support coming back into the, the riders, the teams, the from the companies or anything. Yeah, and yeah. then they all just sit here and go, oh, COVID, yeah, no, we're knackered. We can't do anything. Like KDM, yeah. oh, we're pulling a national commitment to the Australian off-road team. We're not going off-road racing. Like, what sort of support's that? I mean, yeah. I, I think it's pretty crook, to be honest. Like, the whole industry is buying like never before and supporting itself like never before from a grassroots level. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, no, we don't want to go racing. It's just, I don't, yeah. I, I find it really hard to get my head around. I, and I just wanted to bring it up and talk about it. I don't know what you guys, the listeners, think about it. You know, send us your questions or, or anything about that. But it's such a strange dynamic. And the Yamaha guys sort of seem to be still going okay. Like they're all supported and still riding. And I think there's been some salary cuts from some of the riders, but. Yeah, Dak is still going and everything's got yeah, Kurt Gibson so. stuff, so. be interesting to see what unfolds and, you know, Yareev and the Honda team, I mean, Yareev's a machine for pulling sponsorship out of nowhere and keeping that thing going. He's done that for 20 or 30 years, God knows how long, so, yeah, you know, I'm sure Yareev can keep some, something going there. He's is a bit of a genius at that, but, yeah, definitely a head-scratcher from that KDM group at the moment. I, I really wonder. Might all just have to be privateers like us and buy a bikes and turn up to races and... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it is a bit confusing considering their brand motto is ready to race. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that they're pushing it hard in the MotoGP. They're pushing it hard in the States still. Like, you know, we even heard stories of um, like KDM guys not being able to get parts and buying parts themselves from overseas because there's none in stock over here. And That's it. Lots of weird things going on. So, yeah, interesting dynamic. Watch this space. If you have a question or something you would like to talk about, send us an email or message us on Facebook and Instagram. Social post of the month. Now, unless you've been living under a rock or at some other COVID hiding place, surely you would have seen this MotoGP crash from the Red Bull ring in Austria where Valentino Rossi, I don't know how, but just by... The skin of his teeth missed a flying bike. What a crash, Jed. Like, oh, my God. That's that's a perfect definition of seeing the, your life flash before your eyes. Yeah, like, wow. That now, would just scare the bejesus out of me. That's the second crash for the day. There was a there was a one earlier on in the day, I believe, as well. In Moto2 with Haffy Siren, who used to be a MotoGP rider, yes. That yeah. was equally as scary. That's it. And the bike snapped in half. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen it, as we do with the social posts, we'll repost it. There's a few videos out there, so I'm not sure which one we're going to repost yet. We'll find a good one and flick it up there. But crashing it, you know, the best part of 300 k's an hour down that straight. It's an uphill into a right-hander, and Morbidelli and Zarco come together, and that bike scoots off, punches the air fence. Like, those fences there, like, so that's an air fence, which are also in speedway and things like that. It just punctures it, goes straight through it. The other bike all but cleans up Rossi. And, I mean, watching the footage after it, Rossi, Rossi got off the bike, sat down in his garage, and he was as white as a ghost. Like, whew. You would be. You just – it's incredible, 300-plus kilometres an hour. It, 
sends shivers down my spine just mm. thinking about it. Did you see it, Bo? Yeah, I seen that crash. And thinking about those speeds gives me shivers up my spine. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I could have got back on and ridden like as well as the rest of those guys could. Hey, like, that's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, we'll see if we can find it too. There's there was a photo getting around as well of um as the as the crash was happening, um he actually sees it coming out of the corner of his eye and jumps and he's already let go of the handlebars and ready to jump off his bike before the bike even even hits him. Wow. See if I can find that photo and we'll put we'll put it up on our social. <sighs> scary stuff. If you haven't already, subscribe for free on your favourite podcast app. We threw it out there this week for a few listener questions and thanks to you guys for getting back to us. Uh, Jed, I'm going to start for you. What was your favourite bike you've owned over the years? Thanks to Jared for this question. Yeah, Jared Hardcastle. Uh, Mine was, I like my Yamahas. But I think it was probably my 2004, 2005 KTM 125 SX. So I had um, had a KTM 125 previous to that, obviously. Mm. Um, had a CRF 250 as well. That was my sister's. Um, come off of Yamaha's. But during that, two, I think it was 2004, uh, had my bikes got stolen. Both bikes got stolen. And then we... I was in a first year apprentice. Yeah, it was 2004. First year apprentice at KTM at Cessnock. And um, Fiona Collins, the the um, the owner there at the time, yep. she actually, you know, my bikes got stolen and she was supporting me and everything. Um, purchased me a race bike off the KTM team. So it was a factory edition, all the suspension, engine, everything. It was trick bike, even down to the rims. The, the rims were factory rims and everything. Um and the thing was a weapon. Um, I remember that bike. It was a rocket ship. Yeah. I remember. Well, I'm, and you, you actually got some, when I, I think when I sold it, I still had some parts from it and your old man got the parts off of it for Jace's bike. Yeah, my old man bought some yeah. parts off you for my brother. That thing yeah. was a weapon. I remember racing yeah. you on it and thinking like, man, this thing's fast. Yeah. So quick. That was probably that was probably my favourite bike, I think. I think mine was. Mm. It's funny. It's funny you. We read this here, and Jared's favourite bike was a 2011 CRF 450. And I, was it 2011 or 2007? That was your – you always talk about the CRF 450 yeah, back then. Yeah, I had a 2011 CRF 450, the same as Jared, and Jared rates his to be the best one he's had. Give us some more info here, Jared. I want to know why, mate. You could bloody send me a message with a bit more here. But anyway, um, I really liked my 2011 450, and um, just quietly – I had some factory parts on that that fell off the back of a Honda Race Corporation truck and somehow ended up in my lap. I had some works engine mounts and, um, mate, did they make a difference to that 2011 450? Like, it just completely changed the bike. Like, it sounds lousy, just a couple of engine mounts, but the front engine mount was like, I don't know, six mil steel plate with whatever the bolts were in it. And you took those out and these ones were, I don't know, eight mil aluminium and they were red. They had HRC engraved in them. And they had a different tension of bolt and you had to tension them differently. And like, it was a massive change to the bike. Like it just turned so much differently. I don't think it was quite as good. Like, so say you go to somewhere like Lakes or Bali Ranch and it was like a flat, skatey, rocky turn. It probably wasn't quite as good there. But if you had something to turn off, 
like a nice bowl turn. Like we had that supercross track at my house at the time. Yeah, Dude, yeah. That, we used to ride a lot. Did, yeah. Dude, those berms, you could just carve them with just this engine mount mod. It was massive, but. They say that, yeah. Mm. I don't think that was my favorite one though. I, I think it was my 2006 CRF 450. Um that would have been my favourite. It wasn't overly like hotted up or anything crazy like that. I think I was just in a spot where I was riding really well and feeling really good. Um, I had some suspension that Access Motorsports, so Andrew Hobson did at the time. He did a great job on that bike. I had a pipe on it and whatnot. It was um, still carbid back then. It ran pretty good. But for whatever reason, I just gelled really well with that bike. I think that's probably the one I have the most fond memories of. Yeah. Um, I know you said your Cowie is your favourite bike at the moment, Bobby, but is there one that... You Probably know, from juniors. Back in time, you know, I don't know, maybe a JDR bike or was there a Yamaha or something that you have a fond memory of? RM80. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of fond memories on an RM85. Um, I'd probably go the 2010 KDM 450. Okay. For Phil Bond that everybody wrote that bike <laughs> off. Yeah. But, yeah, Bondy worked his magic and that was a good bike. Yeah, He right. built a, a really good bike, yeah. What, just the, I mean, I think it was just the engine, was it, on that thing that made it so much fun? The engine was really fast, but he got the thing working well. Yeah. It was it it was stable and it turned good. Bondi was certainly it's, a bit of a magician, so that's a good one. It's funny you say that because I have never heard one person complain about Bondi's setups, engines and stuff like that. To be honest, I don't think he really – he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is at what he does with yep. motorbikes. Yeah. He's really good. Yeah, Bondi in his famous dyno room. <laughs> that's probably why. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We won't um, talk about that. Favourite track that either of us have ever ridden? Not limited to Australia. Maybe it was somewhere overseas. Thank you for that question, Gabby. Uh, Bo, we'll start on you. Favourite track that you've ridden? Um, Again, doesn't have to be here in Australia. Keep thinking. Yeah, I can see the wheels ticking there. Jed, have you got one in mind? that? Yeah, so my favourite one in Australia mm. is, I would as much as I love Cessnock and lakes and stuff around here, is probably Ride Park, Victoria. Mm. The track is unreal down there. Like, I remember we turned up there and we're like, oh, because we, you know, drove down, straight down. Got there early. Yeah, we're going to put in a big day here. Turn up and we're like, oh, track looks a bit wet. You know, maybe we'll just we'll just wait. And then we're like, nah, stuff it. We're here to ride. Let's just ride. And it was just perfection. Like it looks wet and and boggy, but it was just moist and just it was just perfect. The jumps are unreal. It flowed. Um, so that's my favourite Australia one. And then, like, I can add to this with with overseas in the US, um, all of them. you have no idea if if you've ridden there you know what i'm talking about you go to milestone on a monday you go to um glen helen on a thursday you go to paris on a wednesday and you can do nighttime sessions on a wednesday i think it is there um you you go you go to those tracks and they are just prepped every day ready to go um kahula creek they're They've got the dozer there. They just they, they fix them every day. Um, they fix them throughout the day. Little Johnny's at Milestone on Monday. He's at Kahula Creek on Tuesday. Dad's on the corner telling him when to break and when to gas. You go mm. to um, Glen Helen on the Thursday. They're there. That's why they're the next level yeah. riders compared to what 
Australia has at the moment because they're open during the week. These ride parks are open during the week and they're running. And every track I rode there was was unreal. I yeah. don't think I had a bad bad experience or or ride on all the tracks. Bo, I'd pretty much say any Supercross track I've ever ridden or had a. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good answer. I like yeah. Hatter. Yeah, you like Hatter. Yeah, my wheels are still turning in my head as to what I would think is my favourite track. I mean, I'd, I'd probably go with you on um, Ride Park, Jed, in Victoria. I had so much fun that time I went there. And I went there oh, a few months after that as well. I went. Yeah. I was in Melbourne. Uh, I did some work and I was working New South Wales, South Coast, and I took the weekend and went to Melbourne and rode down there. And I'd probably agree that Ride Park's probably – one of the ones on the top of my list. Mind you, I really want to go to that MX farm at Gympie in Queensland. It looks pretty epic, yeah. so yeah. I'm keen to go there and check that out. It's um, on the list. Yeah, so it's it's definitely on the list, but, yeah, I think that. Um, overseas, I am absolutely stinging to go to New Zealand, and I really want to oh, do yeah. a Townley tour. I went yeah. to New Zealand a couple of times. Um, I went in 2009 or somewhere there um, for the Junior World Motocross Championship. And checked that out and was with the, the junior team. So that was when Jay Wilson won um, that junior championship and we had a bunch of guys go really good. I think Ty Simmons was on the podium and, um, yeah, so that was a pretty epic event. But we went to some epic practice tracks when we were there. I never rode, so I can't speak for myself, but I remember being there and there was just some epic tracks. And you see Townley post some stuff on his socials and I'm like, man, I... I want to go to New Zealand, so that's probably the one that's on the top of my bucket list. I think he does adventure bike rides now. That's why you like it. He does. I'm a converted adventure bike guy. Yeah. It might be a story for another episode. Getting old. Um, <laughs> Bo, you had a question for us. You said, what made you start a podcast? Um, oh, I guess I'll start with this one. So I did cover a little bit of this in our uh, trailer episode, but if you haven't listened to that, that's all right. It doesn't matter. So I've been working for Cycle Talk magazine for, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 15 years doing bike reviews and whatnot. And with the media landscape changing over the last couple of years, it's sort of died down and gone away somewhat. Um, Cycle Talk's closed down. They're not doing anything anymore. And I was looking for a bit of an outlet. I was doing a little bit of work with Dirt Action. Um, but I sort of wanted to keep my finger on the pulse and I was looking for ideas and Jed, we've been mates forever and yeah. uh, we were out riding one day and <clears throat> yeah, we just threw the idea around. Yeah, well, well, yeah, threw it around out there. I think we'll, we had dinner here. Yeah. And I said, need to do something. I got, you know, Nat, Nat makes cakes. That's any, my wife. Yeah. She's got her own little cake business. Todd's wife, so if anybody doesn't know, get onto Nat's Cakes. She makes great cakes. Um, uh, I wanted to own a coffee shop or something. I wanted to start a business, and you know, we're kind of not not at, we're not at that stage yet. And we said we've got to do something. Yeah, you were dying down with the the, the media stuff, and let's do a podcast. Yeah, and then it just snowballed from there. We we're like, right, let's do a podcast, and um, yeah, you and I looked into a bunch of equipment, Jed, and it just snowballed from there. We <laughs> said, let's do it. We said, let's do it. And I mean, it, this was like kind of before the COVID thing hit. So we were a bit like, oh, there's going to be plenty of content and racing and all these things are going to be going on. <laughs> and like, yeah, smash cut to now. It's like, Jesus, there's not much happening in the world out there. But look, there's still plenty to talk about. So it's a bit of fun. And um, yeah, so that's where the idea for a podcast come from. And we'll yeah. see where it goes from here. Yeah. If you've got any more questions or that, hit us up. Yeah, we'll answer them 
yeah, as soon as we get a few through, we'll answer some more. Product review or tech tip. Jed, you've been working on the 87 and you've got a little tech tip for us straight out of your mechanic book. I do. Something that drives me crazy, right? And anybody who knows me knows that I like a clean bike. Um, I'll stay up till midnight washing it if if we get home from riding late. I can't put it in the shed dirty. So pulling apart the 87 250, uh, me and my partner Gabby, pulling it apart and she's complaining about how dirty the airbox is. And I have a look and I'm like, yep, that drives me crazy when people don't clean their airbox properly. But besides this being an old bike, I've got gloves on holding the I said to, said to Gabby, you need to open the garbage bag for me. The air, air filter's that old, it's falling apart in my hands. As you're <laughs> like, taking it off. As I'm taking it off. It wasn't <laughs> even bolted in, it was just sitting in there. Yeah. Um, got an air filter in there, so I'm like, I'll pull this out gently and it doesn't go all over the floor. You open the garbage bag for me, so get that out of the way. And look in the air box, and it is absolutely filthy, like inside the, the air the box boot. itself. Not in the air duct, not, not oh. really in the air duct. Um. You can buy a, a wash cover. So if you have a look online, like MX Store, Ballards, everyone sells them. There's there's brands, there's Twin Air, there's Race Tech. There's there's so many brands. You can get one for every single bike made. They average from say thirty dollars to fifty dollars, depending on what brand and what what style you have to get. You screw it on. You pull your air filter out when you come home from riding. You screw it in, and you can jam the gurney in there and clean your air box. And it is Mickey Mouse clean. It's Mickey Mouse. So that's my advice. Buy an airbox wash cover. And it also helps when you when you pull that dirty air filter out, you put the wash cover in, your airbox is cl- nice and clean. So when you're trying to put a fresh air filter in, you're not getting the you're not having the risk of um, when you're washing the bike, some you know, st- if you blast the the air filter or something, something goes into that air duct there into your um um, into your engine Into your intake, yeah Into your intake there um, And also when you're changing air filters You're not going to pick up foreign bodies or anything and, and risk getting that into your into your intake as well And I think it also Like something that doesn't get spoken about much Is it seals that engine up So you're not getting condensation And, you know, rubbish You know, by the bike sitting in the shed Getting, you know, sucked into the engine So to speak, like falling in You know, you put a bung in your exhaust air filter wash cover on, your engine's sealed up and it's protected from the elements. That's it. And that's exactly how I leave my bikes in the shed until I'm riding again. Mm. And um, we should probably get Miles from Unifilter on here one of these episodes. He's got some pretty cool stories about filters and obviously he owns Unifilter, so he's a pretty knowledgeable dude. He's got some cool machines, so we'll get in touch with him for one of these episodes. But the other thing I see too is um, people get their air filters they wash their bike, you know, like what you were just talking about. So you've been at the island all day. The thing's filthy dirty. You come home. They oil a filter and put it straight in there and then. And then the bike sits in the shed for a month. <laughs> and drips out on the swing arm. Yeah. Like, do people realise that oil... Bo, this sounds like you. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that sometimes people forget oil's a liquid and it falls out the bottom of your filter. Yeah. So you should actually just wait and just oil your filter like the day or two before you've ride. And That's then right. you avoid all them problems. Just leave your wash cover in there until you're ready to ride. Exactly right. Anyway, thanks for the tech tip, Jed. Loved it. We'll have to rustle up and see what we can come up with next month now. If you have a question or something you would like to talk about, send us an email or message us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, that about wraps it up, boys. Pretty pretty fun afternoon sitting here, having a couple of beers, 
having a yarn. And um, it's all around good time, I think. Jed, anything happening for you this month, mate? Anything in particular going on? No, I'll do some more of the 87 build. Um, Just keep plodding away. Yeah, more riding. Bo, any plans this month, mate? Just working and BMXing and having fun? Yeah, pretty much just working and BMXing. And um, I'll pick up a new KX450XC in the next few days or weeks. So they'll looking forward to riding that thing. Oh, that's the new um, cross-country model. Yeah, the cross-country model. Right, that's yeah, so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think it's basically a motocross bike with a few enduro settings, 18-inch back wheel, side stand. Wow. And just through Hunter Valley Motorsports again? Yeah, that'll be through Hunter Valley again. Well, that's interesting, yeah. mate. Yeah, that should be good. Might have yeah. to do a bit of a review on that. We might have to. Give you a call after you ride it and come for a yeah. ride. And get some thoughts, yeah. Have a yarn about it. Yeah, that'd be a pretty interesting one. Yeah, for sure. So if anyone's looking for a low hour KX450, there'll be one for sale up there. <laughs> come and hit up Bo. Um MXGPs, so the MXGP series heads off to Italy for the next six rounds. Um, three in Fienza, three in Mantova, and they're doing that same schedule they did in Latvia. So Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. So you have three rounds over, you know, seven days, a little bit of a break, and then another three um, at Mantova. So that takes us into October, where the series looks like it's going to head to Spain and to Lommel, but obviously that could change at any point. So, yeah, we won't get into that too much, I think. Even in between when I was writing my notes last week and then this week when we're recording, there was a Turkish GP that got cancelled. So, yeah, we'll just see what happens on that front. AMA Motocross, um, four rounds, maybe five in between now when we do our next show, Jed. So be interesting to see how that series unfolds, if Osborne can keep a role on the series and um, hopefully we see Jet Lawrence, you know, pick it up and grab some podiums before that season's out. Um, Aussie Motocross, we spoke at the beginning of the show, and I think it's just a watch this space type thing. Uh, no news there. Um, world Speedway. Now, I'm a little bit into the World Speedway. So there's an eight-round series coming up. They're all double-headers. So, um, you know, one round one day, one round the next. Six of them are this month. Um, two in Poland, two in the Czech Republic at Prague, um, and then back to Poland. The Australians in that championship are the 2017 world champ, Jason Doyle, who's a Newcastle guy. And we've got Max Frick, who's the current Australian Speedway champ. And it's actually his first year in the SGP series. So best of luck to those guys. Now, I must say, one of the reasons I like the series, uh, when it it airs on Foxtel or the KO app, and um, the two Pommy commentators, Nigel Pearson and Kelvin Tatum, I reckon they kind of make it. Like, they get right into it. And they're hell biased towards the Poms. Like, Ty Woffenden, the Pom guy, multi-time world champ, he's a very good rider, and he deserves every bit of credit he gets. But those two blokes pump him up like you wouldn't believe. And it, it kind of makes it. Like, it's pretty funny to listen to them. And I think it's a pretty good series. And, I mean, we all know some Speedway guys. Bo, Jed, you guys. Yeah, got yeah. Sam. I went to school with Rowan Tungate. Sam yeah, Masters. Most of the local guys around here, like they Sam Masters, Ron Tungate, Josh yeah. Pickering. Yeah. yeah. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of Jason talent Doyle. around. Yeah, yeah. Doily. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talent around, so keep your eyes peeled on that. I had a look on the KO website and the Foxtel sites, and it does say that they're going to host the series, but I can't see it anywhere on the guide. So, yeah, who knows? Hopefully we can catch it somewhere. I was listening to the um, Talk and Chatter podcast the other day. Sounds okay. like, sounds like um, there was an interview there with Jason Crump. Sounds like Jason Crump's. Making a bit of a comeback, so we'll dive into that too. Talk and Chatter podcast. I've never heard of it. I'm going to put it on the list to listen to while I'm at work. Listen to the other million <laughs> podcasts I listen to. 
again, guys, please subscribe. It's free. Give us a rating on iTunes. Five stars would be awesome. Uh, if you listen on one of the other apps, I don't really think they've got too much in the way you can rate us, be it Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it might be. Tell your friends, um, even if it's not our podcast, tell your friends to listen to some kind of podcast. There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, maybe when we get into some further guests, we'll get some recommendations and other podcasts that, you know, took our fancy sort of thing. So there's lots out there to keep you entertained and informed. Thanks again. Um, for me this month, I'm actually going away in a couple of weeks. I'm going up to Dubbo, going to the zoo. It's my little boy's birthday, so we're going to take a trip out there. Uh, other than that, a little bit of riding. I did some suspension work on my bike again, which uh, thanks to the... I'm not saying anything. Thanks to Chris Wood's performance, Derek and Chris. They helped me out a lot with that. We might dive into that once I do a little bit more uh, riding and get some hours up on that thing. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Bo, all the best with the riding, mate, and whatnot. Hopefully we see you out on the track soon, and um, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. See you guys next month.